This is Kari Gale. And this is Tony Critz. Welcome to the Pilgrim Lost Podcast, a space for those who wander and wonder. This is uh, Tony Critz, and right now I am drinking Russian Old Grey that was given to me by my Pilgrim Lost partner, Kari Gale, who's on the other line. Hello, Miss Gale. Nice to see you. I'm, I'm drinking the tea that you gave me. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And you have, I can see your really lovely cup. Yeah, my huge, my huge, like, <laughs> hello, I ordered the large cappuccino, hello, cup. Wait, is that from So I Married an Ex Murder? <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, oh it is. my gosh, yes. So it's in that, but it's from the Globe. I don't know if you can see it, but I it's from the it. Globe Bookstore, which is a bookstore on the outskirts of Prague. Uh, it is one of my favorite cafes on the entire planet. I've spent many, many hours in this cafe on the outskirts of, of Prague, uh, drinking uh, and um, reading the books on the shelves. And it's, a, it's an English bookstore in Prague that is amazing. Mm. And, uh, you know, living where I, you know, I was living in the developing world, living in closed countries where we didn't have a lot of stimulus. And then I would, you know, I would take these trips to Prague for breaks or for conferences or whatever. And to sit in an English bookstore and drink good coffee and oh, read amazing the, books. What a treat. Oh what my gosh. Treat. Yeah. When you haven't had it for a long time, yeah. when you haven't had it for a long time and then suddenly you have it, it's amazing. And right now I think in the midst of COVID, we all know what it is to not have things for a long time. And that's, that's a theme we might get into. Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm actually, um, since it's a little later in the afternoon than we usually have been recording, um, it's, it's, what is, it's 4, it's 4 p.m. 4 p.m. Pacific time. Pacific time. I'm having a glass of red wine. I'm jealous. Can you see how lovely and dark it is? It's actually a red blend. It's, it's, um, <laughs> the name of it is pretty awesome. It's called Hot to Trot. Hot to Trot. <laughs> yeah, which sounds like a Honestly, it sounds like some sort of like an Imodium AD medicine, you know, or pepto <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I would, but the, the, the label of the bottle has these lovely horses. So you get the connection when you see the bottle, but if right. you just hear the name, you're not, it's not super uh, wine related, but it's quite delicious. Is that an American wine? Mm-hmm. I believe it's from California, if I'm not mistaken. The bottle's over there, and so I can't go get it, but. I understand. It's yummy, I and I, and I'm been enjoying. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been enjoying this. Is it's always on sale lately at Fred Meyer, which is where I go to do my big shop. And I say that because this is so different for me than than you know pre-COVID times where I would pick up a few things every day. Right. And now I go on my big shop, which is my once a week shopping for. You hold to the once a week. Good for you. I do. Uh, Scott and I go together and we shop for us and then we shop for my parents as well. So we can drop my groceries or drop their groceries off for them um, just because, uh, yeah, they're they're both in a situation where they shouldn't be exposed to anybody. And so, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of an every other day family. I know that they encourage against that, but, you know, I've got, I got three teenage boys who, you know, you need a jug of milk every other day. I mean, it's like, if we were to try and shop for a week, like my entire refrigerator would be milk. 
just just never, jugs stacked I've never up. Understood. See, I, I grew up not, I don't like milk. I never drank milk. And these boys who drink, I'm, I don't want to gender stereotype. There are probably a lot of girls out there who love milk as well. But these jugs of milk, I've never gotten it. I've never understood it. But apparently it's yeah. the thing when you're a yeah. teenage boy. Yeah, yeah. Lots of cereal. I mean, multiple bowls a day and yeah, it's... And it's great. I mean, I'd rather milk than soda. You know, we're not, yeah. we don't really do soda in our yeah. family. So anyway, so yeah. um, g- give me, uh, give me your thoughts on, uh, on, I mean, that it's hard to talk about anything outside of the quarantine right now, because that's what yeah. everyone's going through. And, and, and certainly we, we hope that our podcast is a distraction from that, you know, just a chance to listen to people talk about other things. And that's certainly a goal, but you know, in the midst of this quarantine, like, what are your thoughts? Like, do you, are you having any like big thoughts, metaphor, you know, like purpose of life thoughts or anything about it? Um, you know, occasionally I do. I actually have this very, uh, you know, it was a, it was kind of that epiphanal moment of, of thinking about, you know, we've talked a little bit, you and I about, this idea of what will transpire after we're able to reenter society again. And what are the things that we want to maybe, maybe that are, you know, we don't want to necessarily call them, I guess, yeah, they can be good things, good things that we're, we're engaging in or learning about ourselves or discovering during this, this thing that's happening to us that we're all, we're all moving through. And um, so I was having a, I was having a zoom meeting with um, my two my bosses for work and uh and you work for a nonprofit, right i do i work for a nonprofit school called the serendipity center and i always work from home so my this my, lady everybody's just changing the world just working for <laughs> nonprofits, just you know caring for people she's she's changing the world if you don't know that she's so great <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, yeah, I'm not even going to respond to that. But this school actually is quite amazing. I currently, because I'm an event communications manager, I don't have a lot to do. But we still meet, we still meet on on Zoom every Monday. And um, I had run out of my, my creamer to, to go with my lovely tea that I that I always drink in the morning. Crisis. And I know it actually was kind of a crisis. And I had gotten on Instagram in the morning and I realized that the little coffee shop right around the corner from my house, which is called the called um, 26 Cafe. Uh, actually, it's where I had my art show. You remember uh, the little cafe? Yeah, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, love it's, it. it's, it's fantastic. I love the owners and I love the people that work there. They're all just super friendly. And they had just started um, doing what you could go buy and get a, ta- you know, a takeaway coffee. And I thought, oh my God, a latte a latte. I could go get a latte right now. So I like threw on my sweatpants, you know, and wandered around the block and got a coffee. And as I walked away and like took a sip of that latte, it was really literally, okay, so I just, it's a cardamom latte, which I don't know if you like cardamom, but it's, it's amazing. It's like a little spicy, extra hot, creamy. And I'm like sipping that latte on the way back to my house. And it was so good why was it so good (laughs) because i hadn't had it for uh two months i hadn't had a latte i hadn't had a coffee and so i was thinking about this and i was thinking about how amazing the experience was of having this coffee now pre-covid i probably had one every other day right um i probably would have one every day if my budget would allow it but it doesn't so 
Um, but you know that point where you you have something that you you know you might eat or drink or do, whether it's going to a restaurant or going to a bar or going and sitting on the corner with your friends, all these things that have been now removed from us, right? Right. And this was one little tiny example of something that had been denied to me. Now I, I, I had this coffee again and it was, it was like a luxurious experience. And I savored that all morning. It was so right. good. And, and the fact of the matter is, is normally when I have a coffee, I pound it down and I don't even think about it. And so I thought about this idea of savoring and, and sort right. of delayed gratification. There you go. And, and this idea that, that because I hadn't been able to have it, it was so good. It's, and, it's the Christmas phenomenon, right? When you're a kid oh, exactly. and you know, you're counting the days, you know, and it's the fact that it's out there a ways that makes the moment so exciting. And, uh, you know, there's some, some families, they open up presents like on Christmas Eve or they open. You guys, and, do you guys and, do and, that? No, oh, no, never. It's no, always, no, no. no, you have to wait until Christmas morning. And on some level, whenever this thing is over, that's going to be Christmas. Yeah. All these things that we've put off, these experience we haven't been able to do, we're going to have a chance to go and, you know, sit in a bar and drink a pint of IPA. Oh my gosh. It will be amazing. <laughs> or whatever it is, you know, whatever yeah. your thing is, it's going right. to be amazing. Amazing. It's that. And, and so what that step that like brought up in my mind is all of these things that we take for granted when we have them at our fingertips and this removal of that as, as painful as it has been for us. Right. Um, that, that in that, in a, in a, in a, you know, you, you kind of flip that perspective around and, my ability to enjoy a coffee just went up a hundredfold because now it'll be interesting once we enter back into that space. And I think this deserves a whole nother podcast that we can talk about this. But when we, when we start to do that again, what will we, what choices will we make when we, we start to be able to have a coffee every day or go to the bar? Every right. Day? Right. And that'll be an interesting phenomenon. But I, I think that it's, I think a lot of people are discovering, um, just how much they did take for granted and, right. and really having to kind of sit with that. And I think it's, that is a good thing. Yeah. There are, there are all these things that are happening right now that were impossible that six months ago were impossible. There are jellyfish returning to the canals of Venice and six months ago, that was impossible. It was impossible to slow down the earth enough that jellyfish would return to the canals of venice and now the waters are clear people can see the bottom of the canals for the first time and there are jellyfish returning to the canals there are there are species that are thriving there is, there are views that we haven't been able to have for decades because of pollution and smog and whatever that suddenly are in view there are there are seismic scientists that are studying micro earthquakes they've never been able to study before because the, the earth was rumbling too much. And now with the stoppage of cars and the stoppage of planes, they're able to do scientific research they've never been able to do before. There are these things that are happening that, I mean, this quarantine is, is vile. It is a destruction. 
I'm not trying to undermine that at all. And it is destroying lives. There are people that are hungry. There are people that are out of work and we don't want to undermine that at all. But in the midst of it, the magic of beauty to, that, that, that surfaces in the midst of evil, mm. beauty that surfaces in the midst of evil, and this is evil, is unbelievable. And for our lives, I'm so concerned in the midst of this that we, are, that we only look at it as a destruction. We don't look at it for the opportunities, that it, the beauty that it might present. And, uh, you know, I've been talking with uh, you know, leaders of nonprofits and pastors of big churches and all these different things. And they're like, oh, my gosh, our whole world is shut down. It's just shut down. It's all destructive. And I'm like, destructive? Are you kidding me? Like, I was talking to a pastor of a church the other day. He's like, yeah, it's just, you know, we can't meet. We can't do the big show. They're talking about that when churches start, you're not going oh, to be able to sing on Sunday mornings because singing in particular, like, releases the virus into the air in a particularly... It's like breathing really heavy around a bunch of people, you know, right. and they're like, even when we start to meet, they're not going to be able to sing anymore. I don't know what we're going to do because my people don't know what to do if they can't sing at church. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Circumstances are, are, are allowing you to introduce new ways to think about meditation and to think about worship and to think about celebration within your community that you never were able to do before because everyone, everyone believes singing is necessary and now singing is not possible. Like right now in the midst of not being able to gather, I would be putting all my effort into helping people figure out how to really connect interpersonally with their neighbors or to, or to, you know, figure out ways to communicate and meet each other's needs and really do this thing that transcends religion, which is caring for your neighbor. Like that's the thing we should be it's, really focused on. It's like this on. idea of, of actually engaging in the practice of faith versus the performance of faith. 100%. And that's true for nonprofits or, or, or churches or neighborhood organizations or whatever. But right now, yes, it's hard because we can't gather, we can't have meetings, but at the same time, there's opportunities now because our time and our energy and our, and our creativity has been freed up to go, well, what are the things we've never thought of doing before? Maybe we should do those things for a while, you know? And what, um, I just hope, I just hope our creative capacity like takes a quantum leap mm. during this time. You know, the words are like, there are whole new ways of thinking about how we do everything. That's my, that's my hope and my dream and what I'm, I'm having a lot of conversations about. I, I think that the idea that we, you touched a little bit on, on, on churches and it was really interesting because this Easter was, you know, all the, all the services were canceled and yeah. it was, it was the first Easter where I you know, took a quiet walk. I, I actually did, I did tune into my church's um, virtual online service. Right. Um, but it's very quiet. It was very, you know, it's, it's one guy with a guitar who, you know, it was very simple and the simplicity of it really, um, you know, it was, it was, now I'll be honest, it was for simplicity because of what's going on. But the simplicity of it to me reflected more the state of being that I was in than mm. all of the show and the performance and the, and the trying to um, create this sort of spectacle of Easter. Right, right. right? And um, so I, I'm really 
I think that you're absolutely right. And I'm really, the word enjoy isn't necessarily the what, what the verb that I would use, but I'm wanting to press into those spaces that seem a little bit uncomfortable and maybe um, new to us. Like it's putting on like a new, it's maybe shedding an old skin and, and allowing like this, those ways of thinking and being that we just did because that's the way we did it and allowing ourselves to, like you said, maybe in all different areas of, of our lives, be a little bit more creative in how we think about those practices or those um, those things. So yeah, yeah, and and the sensation of mutuality. We're yeah. all stuck in the same circumstance. Like nobody's rich, poor, black, white. You know, it doesn't matter. Like we are all stuck in the same circumstance. And the sensation that humanity is together. I I I wrote that blog post for our website. You know, and. Um, and one of my 50 word stories was about this idea that we're all together pointing towards the stars together. And that the sensation that we all have our hands raised in the same direction as humanity right now is a really amazing, beautiful thing. By the way, 100, 100 day project, years mm. are amazing. You're doing a great job. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm really enjoying them actually. I mean, every, it, it's funny because Every day that I finish, I'm like, and I got to start planning the next one because it's coming up in, you know, 12 hours or less than 12 hours. Totally. Um, it is, it's been a really lovely rhythm to, um, to my days, honestly. It, and, and I'm allowing myself for the first time in a long time, Tony, to, to do, like today I did, a, I did a drawing of a woman's face and I just did black and white and then had a, like one, one sort of splotch or swatch of color on it and doing something doing some different things that I tend to put myself in a box and say oh I'm this type of artist I should do these types of things and this project is allowing me to sort of you know step out of the box and try some new different things new and different things and yeah. um, I'm enjoying it I'm enjoying it it's it's been a really um, now not to say I'm not gonna lie to you and say every day I get up and I'm just super stoked to draw I am totally not. <laughs> But the overall, the overall feeling is that it's a really good practice for me right now, and um, and I'm I'm grateful for it. Even though uh, I would say every third to fourth day, I'm I, I I utter a swear word and I say, "Do I have to do this blankety blank thing today?" Yeah, totally. I've had three days that I just I just forgot. Like I got to the end of the day and I was worn out, and I just didn't do it. And so the next day I had to do two, uh, but. Um, Today, mine's already done. I'm so excited. Mine's so, posted too. I know I, it's like if I get it done before, before four o'clock, I'm like, woohoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I almost always do mine right after dinner. And, uh, but day 26 is done. Whoop, whoop. All nice done. Job. Check it out. Nice um, I'm on a little, I'm on a little string about community and um, writing 50 word stories about intimacy and how transient relationships are and mm -hmm. how much we hide ourselves from other people. So I'm doing a little series on that right now. And I'm really, I'm, I'm really enjoying the process. I've really been enjoying these last, this last, you know, handful that you've been doing. They've been particularly poignant and I read them and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> right. it's like, a, it's like a, a little, um, what would I say? Just a, a poke, like a, a soul poke. I'm just like, ouch. Yeah, yeah, I've done it. I, I see myself in these things that you write, and and I'm, I, it's kind of funny because it's only fifty words, but I'm like, where's it going? Where's it going? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I did a couple soccer metaphors, which I enjoyed uh, yeah. making fun of Timber's Army a little bit. So uh, it's uh, it's good. It's been a fun process. So uh, I had a uh, I had something happen today that um, I want to tell you about. Do tell. So um, one of my one of my practices, I don't know if it's practice, but um, the New York Times does a does a podcast every day called The Daily. And I really love it. I mean, they really, they do a super, superb job of producing this podcast. It's only like 30 minutes long and it's usually about one story that's, that's happening. So this morning, the story was about a man, a Polish man who three times has kayaked across the Atlantic. Oh my God. Yeah. And I got so captured by it that I spent the entire afternoon researching transatlantic kayaking. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? I'm how kid, big, how, I how kid, big is this kayak? I kid you not. Uh, it's like it's like 13 feet long or something. It takes it takes a hundred days plus to kayak across the Atlantic. And there's um and there happens to be an Atlantic current that basically goes from Florida to Spain. And so no my way. thought is, what if I did the Camino from, from the West? <gasps> is, this, is this really a serious thought in your brain? Well, you know, the odds I ever actually pull it off, I mean, I would take insane amount of money and preparation, but I was just thinking about what would it be like to do the Camino, to actually call it the Camino. Yeah. But, you know, there's all, you know, we, we talk about the Camino a lot on this podcast and there's all these, these roads to the Camino. There's some that come from the North and some that come from the East and come from, some that come from the South and come through Portugal or wherever. But what would it, what would it be like to journey to Santiago from the West to go from Florida to land on the Spanish coast and then to walk into the city. Oh my gosh. That would I mean, be amazing. It's, it's never been done. You know, no. I, I can't imagine it's ever been done. And uh, I, yeah, and you know, I, you know, I kayak every other day or whatever. It's just recreational kayaking, but I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally, and this man in this story is 71 years old. Oh my gosh. And he does it across the North Atlantic, which is a lot, there's a lot more complicated than just going through the middle of the Atlantic. But so I'm, um, so I'm going to play with the idea for a while that nobody so hold it, me to it. Would it be I, the Camino Atlantic or the Camino? Yeah. Yeah. We'd have to give it a name. We'd have <laughs> to go <laughs> the Camino. <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe it would be the Camino crazy guy. <laughs> <laughs> Camino Norte Americana or something. <laughs> that would be a woman. You'd be Norte Americano. Okay. Well, what's I the name so. of the continent? Well, but we were, are you referring to, I guess, I guess it could be. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not, let, let's, let's semantics later, but yeah, you're right. If you I was thinking you, sorry, not, I was not referring to the country and I can't read my Spanish is so awful at this point in time because I don't speak it. So it's I actually so was thinking the other day that I really wanted to, when we can be in human contact again, um, find a place to volunteer to, help people with their English speaking skills and we oh, could great. Do sort of an intercambio. Yeah. That's great. I think that would be really, really good. Clearly, obviously I can't, can't remember what the endings of words should be. So this, uh, this, this musing today right here at the beginning of May uh, is appropriate because our theme for May is movement. 
right? Yes, it is. Yeah, our theme, f- our theme for April was creative discipline or something, the 100-day project. I don't remember what we called it. <laughs> yeah, we kind of, yeah, it was bad. It, it was yeah. a month ago, you know, whatever. so long ago, Tony. Yeah, but but we, we talked about this idea of, of movement. And one of the things that you had brought up was exactly what you were just talking about was your kayaking and the fact that you have really found solace in getting out on the river during this time. And right. Um, which is super great. And actually, Scott, my boyfriend has been, well, we all, we all met Scott last time, but he has been talking about getting some kayaks as well. And I was excited. So maybe we can get some recommendations from you. I have no, we have no idea about anything kayak related, but you've been doing it for a while. Yeah. Well, just for like the last year, I, I picked up a kayak last year and um, yeah, I, I go out probably three times a week uh, and just it's unbelievable. Three or four hours of just good, solid workout and being out in nature. It's, un- it's unbelievable. It's really life-giving. And I'm sure, maybe speak on like what that means to you right now in the midst of like isolation. Yeah, well, I, I am not a domesticated human. There are some, there's some people I think that are, they just, they like to be home. They like to go home. Um, you know, I'm a husband and a father and the, I obviously, you know, regard those roles very highly, but those, you know, coming home for me is work. It's a choice. I, I love to be out and about. And if I couldn't, if I couldn't escape every day in some quarantine responsible way, I would, I would really struggle. And walking and kayaking have been the two things that I do to really sort of help me navigate these times and to find refreshment. And there's nothing like, you know, seeing a bald eagle or a giant blue heron or chasing a beaver through the water in my kayak that, you know, it just gives, it's so lovely. So here's a, here's a curious question, because I don't know, even though I've known you a really long time, you weren't really much of a, a walker before you went on the Camino. Is that correct? It's 100% correct. Like, That's a hundred percent correct. Like well, I can remember, I can remember you and I sitting down three and a half years ago, whenever it was three years ago. And you were like, yeah. So when you walked to me, you know, and I'm just like trying to learn about it. And you're like, yeah, we walk 15 miles a day. And I was like, what the F are you talking about? 15 miles a day. Are you kidding me? That's not possible. Like I, I was like, I'm so, I'm so like ah, that sounded that literally sounded impossible. Fifty miles a day, and now a normal day is ten miles. You know, twenty thousand steps is like. A so what, 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 like what switch flipped for you on the Camino? Like what about the movement of walking on the yeah. Camino that really made made oh, that you're change? So kind. Oh, I, um, so so when you walk the Camino, you know you, you so there's this path you walk in the. And one of the amazing things about it is the is the path is marked, so you don't have to think. Like you just, you know, when the arrow when the when the yellow arrow says turn right, you turn right. When it says turn left, you turn left. You keep walking. And um, and when I first started out, I mean, you would laugh at me that I didn't have the faintest idea what I was doing. I didn't do any research. I just like walked out on the trail. I did everything wrong. I I left from Saint Jean in the middle of the afternoon, which is the stupidest thing ever. It, I had to like, I had to like lie my way into a bed in Orison. I mean, it was terrible. I'm just, I'm an idiot. I'm a total idiot. But by, by like the fifth day, 
I mean, 15 miles, I'm just getting warmed up. Like I'm feeling my body feels so good. And there's like this, there's like this trance state that happens where you just like, you know, and it, Absolutely. And I don't know if you experienced this. I'm super curious about your thoughts about movement and when, in regards to um, going on pilgrimage since you've done so many, but I find that it takes 10 miles for my brain to stop talking at me and go like still. And it's the second 10 miles where like, really, I find the work happening, you know? You know, I would agree with that. I, I, um, I actually, I, I don't like the word maybe cheated because I, I, there's no right way to do it. Right. So, but I did, I did use music in the afternoon. I have a really hard time stilling my brain in any situation. And so, um, having, you know, having music on to have that rhythm, that yeah. beat was yeah. really important for me. So the very first Camino that I did, I didn't have a lot of quiet time. Like I didn't, whereas my sister, Lissa, she, who by the way, just turned 50 this week. Whoop, whoop. Happy birthday, Lissa. Uh, yeah, we had a fun quarantine celebration for her that involved a lot of toilet paper and a toilet paper cake. Just, just saying, it was, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> okay. Keep going. <laughs> That's mainly just so she can laugh when she hears this. But um, so she didn't didn't bring any sort of music. Uh, you know, I almost said a Walkman, Tony. Oh my god! What are we in 1984? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this is terrifying. Remember the yellow kind? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, waterproof, the waterproof that you clipped over. Oh, those things. I I only had cheap. Bad, oh bad. man, oh, I had one of them. I thought it was just the best thing ever. Anyway, not in the 80s. Uh, she didn't bring like an iPod or anything. So wow. she walked in complete silence wow. for all of that time. And yeah, I couldn't do it. I really needed the music. I loved the music. And that really was the time when my brain could sort of shut off and just be within the rhythm of the music. So, but my second Camino that I did, I did choose to. Um, take half the day and walk without any sort of stimulation as it were. And I was alone because it was the Camino Portugues and I was walking that first, especially during that first, um, first half of it from Lisbon up to Porto. Really, I saw maybe three or four pilgrims the whole, the whole two weeks that I walked, which is radically different than the Camino Frances. So I got, I had to make a choice to do it though. It was, it was definitely something that was, um, not easy for me, but the idea, the idea behind the, the, the brain shutting off and there's an interesting thing that with walking in itself, like if I have to have a conversation or do some heavy thinking or hmm, tell something, someone, tell someone something hard, I want to do it on a walk. And it's interesting because this mm. idea of movement, um, there's several books that I've, that I've read that, that talk about this idea of how, the, how, how movement actually facilitates our brain function. Tell and, me. And I, I don't have all the, I, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll do some research and add some, some, uh, add some notes into our episode, but this idea that, that we can actually think and reason better when we're moving our body than mm -hmm. when we're sitting. Mm -hmm. and, and to me, that makes total sense. And, it, and it, for me, it rings absolutely true. So whenever I have to do something where I need to settle something in my brain or make a decision, 
I, ever since the Camino, I've, I've done that with movement and walking. And um, although I don't, I don't walk as much as you do, um, not nearly as much as you do, um, I do choose to walk whenever I can, rather than jumping in the car. And actually, I, I have to say this, Tony, I actually, in the midst of COVID, I actually bought a car. Whoa. I know. I actually only bought half a car. <laughs> That's challenging. I know. I, I bought one with my sister, which we're car sharing because we really needed, so my, my dad's been sick and, and he lives in Washington. And so we needed a car to be able to get up there to see my parents and, and, you know, deliver them groceries and do the things that we needed to do for them. And so we decided to buy a car. Uh, she didn't have a car either for, hasn't had a car for three years. I haven't had a car since I came back from traveling. And so we bought this car um, to be able to do that. But I still would, if I can walk someplace, I choose to walk someplace because to me, the idea of not only movement of being in your body, but the idea that you actually have to process through how much time takes to get from point A to point B. Do you know what I'm saying? A hundred percent. And the idea that you, instead of just uh, arriving someplace within a, a, you know, a quick three minute car ride, you actually process, you, you, you kind of understand the time it takes. You slow down enough that you, you're like, I'm actually transitioning between being at home and being at work or being at home and being right. at the grocery store. And I don't, right. I'm not being very eloquent about this, um, but it, it, it's, it, it allows me to feel less detached from my life. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And uh, it's like travel. I was trained as an American. I was trained that travel is a necessary evil. And the only purpose of travel is to get it done as quickly as possible and with the least amount of pain as possible. A bit like what we're going through a quarantine. As quickly as possible, least amount of pain as possible, as opposed to seeing it as maybe an opportunity. And um, so when I was living in Macedonia, I actually owned a Land Rover, a 12-seat Land Rover, this big, beautiful, Fancy. vintage, vintage, you know, old, beautiful Land Rover. And I had all these teams I was responsible for, and we had events we had to do every day. And I, I would only let us use the Land Rover on very, very limited basis, maybe once every couple of weeks. And I can remember people complaining, like, we have this vehicle. Why don't, why don't you let us use it? And I was like, you're Americans. You're living in a foreign country. You need to you need to gain the the rhythm of the place that you live, and that is a that is a massively five five senses transcendent experience, and so it's so important that you hear the conversations, that you feel the rhythm of the streets, that you hear the sounds, that you get involved, you learn how to navigate. That these things are so important, and these you know. Uh, young people in their early 20s that would come over and were on these teams that I was coordinating. I was like, you have no idea how important this is. Not just to being effective as people working for a nonprofit in a foreign country, but how, how important this is to your humanity, to engage your surroundings and to not, and to not hide inside a metal box. And right now, Kari, I mean, 
so there's a walk I've been taking that I had never taken before COVID, which I go from my house and I walk across the Tillicum Bridge in Southwest yeah. um, Portland. It's about a, it's about an eight and a half mile round trip. If I just do it straight, I walk from my house, I walk along the river, I walk over the bridge. I can't tell you the experiences that I'm having. The, the people that I'm engaging appropriately social distance, but the, the, the smiles, the graciousness, the humanity, the city has come, the city has, has, has become more neighborly. Isn't that ironic? So ironic. That we are, we are forced to be six feet apart, but I would agree with you. When people walk, when I walk into my neighborhood around my house, even though I have to be six feet away, and some people, you know, are wearing their masks so you can't see their faces. But there's this, there's this need to connect and say, I see you. Right. And I acknowledge you. And we know that we have to be separate, but I, but I still want to connect with you. And I think right. that that is phenomenal. And I think Portland generally, you know, is the super hipster city, is generally considered to be not a very friendly city. Mm in the big picture. And yet I'm experiencing the opposite right now. And so that's the human element of movement, but then there's the non-human element of movement. Like when I'm out on the kayak and I don't see a human being for three hours, but the, the physical rhythm of working the paddle Mm. and, and moving to the water and my companions are eagles and herons and, you know, just these beautiful creatures and the trees and the reeds and the whole thing. Um, the gift, because even in my home, with the limited stimulus that we have, I find myself um, frazzled mm. most of the time. Yeah. There's this strange anxiety. I think there's a stress that has sort of like descended like a fog on all of us. And we're sort of experiencing it perpetually which is why domestic violence has gone up. It's why addiction has gone up. It's why all these things have happened within COVID because there is this stress has descended upon us um, within, within this shared time of, I can't control what's happening. Yeah. And when I get out in a way, which I, which there are many ways to do it, you know, be it hiking or whatever, bicycling, whatever, um, when I get away, I find that that stress, that that fog of stress lifts off my soul. Mm. And inevitably, I return home better able to love my wife, love my children, be emotionally present. Um, and so that's me, at least. Mm. I have a really kind of different movement uh, story in the midst of COVID uh, that until a week ago, I probably wouldn't have shared it just because I was so frustrated with the whole process, but I have been struggling with a really bad back for right what since since January since mid january and it it wasn't super bad in January that got worse in february and then and then as things were sort of shutting down it got it got worse and so i have i'm you know I've shared with you guys I'm, I'm we're both Tony and I are both really tall six foot you're six foot three right we're both the same ish right? yeah yeah I think you got half an inch on me <laughs> it's my hair now now with the COVID hair I've got about four inches on you <laughs> <laughs> um but I 
it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And I was super grateful because my chiropractor actually was open um, as an essential service. So I was able to get chiropractic care. Nice. But one of the things, yeah, it was Portland Chiropractic. They're, they're awesome. Uh, one of the things that, that I had never had to do before, you know, maybe have a chiropractic appointment and I'd get an adjustment and I'd feel better. And then I'd go about my business. And so I just turned 48 in March and. Um, 38, no, 48. <laughs> 48. <laughs> like, yeah, it was 48. Um, the, this thing just wasn't getting better, even though I was able to have adjustments and have, you know, appointments. So I was just at my wit's end. And, and so I had gone in and asked, asked the doctor and said, you know, what am I not doing? And he's like, well, are you, you doing, you know, your exercises? And I'm awful. I'm awful at doing exercises, like prescribed exercises, like mm -hmm. do 32 of these things and 42 of those things. And so he gave me this very um, kind of rigid routine and said, well, if you really want this to get better, this is, these are the things you need to do. And I, by that time I was in so much pain that I decided, okay, I, I have to do this. I can't not, you know, I can't shirk this responsibility or I'm never getting better. So right. about two weeks ago, I started doing these exercises every day. Uh, I ordered myself a yoga mat. Good for you. Yep. Uh, which I actually, people were like, how can you do yoga in your tiny house? <laughs> it's, it, there is space. It's, it's a little cramped, but I make do. And um, I started doing it an hour every morning. Literally the moment I get out of bed, step my foot on the floor, I throw the yoga mat down and I do this hour of exercises. And it was about maybe four days ago. I, for the first day in months and months, I had, I was pain-free. And wow. so I know it, it, and it, and this thing about like going back to this idea of the coffee and the gratification, this delayed gratification, it's right. almost the opposite of like, for the first time in months, I had a day where I experienced sitting without pain. Right. And I was so grateful. And um, so of course I'm doing these, these exercises, this movement every day. And it's not, it's not like, it's not like hiking movement or kayaking movement where you're out and you're kind of experiencing this is very um, purposeful, not that kayaking isn't purposeful, but it's a very intentional do this thing. And right. it's, not, it's not super fun, to be honest with you. I don't really like doing them, but the, the, um, the benefit of, of that movement of being being disciplined and disciplined is kind of a dirty word for me. Right. Um, I have a hard time. Like this hundred day project is disciplined. The, you know, doing, doing an hour worth of stretching and strengthening exercises is a discipline and I'm not right. good at it. But in this particular situation, I had to do it. And it is, I'm so like these last three days, I've, I've been so grateful. And so I'm going to continue to do that. I, I say, I, I shite thee not. I want to do this like, if I have to do this for the rest of my life, an hour a day, I will do it because I've experienced nice. three months of pain and this bit of movement, this bit of strengthening is allowing me to, to sort of, I mean, people awesome. were like, people were like, how are you feeling about COVID? And I'm like, whatever COVID, because I had so much back pain. So I'm, right. I'm, it's just been an interesting sort of dynamic in the midst of all of this. And, and um, yeah, to, 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 again, things you take for granted, right? Things right. you take for granted, and then they're either removed from you, or you lose sight of of what it feels like to to be able to be healthy and and in your own skin. And so, um, so yeah, so that's been my like experience these last few few weeks and months. And and nice. um, yeah, so 
And even, I mean, so that's a story of pain. And, uh, and even if someone's not experiencing pain, but I know many people can relate to you. And I'm, I know that they're very thankful that you um, gave that testimony. Uh, but our bodies long for dopamine and they long for the sensation of these chemicals being released inside of us. And when we don't get it in this limited sensual experience, that's why we go to alcohol. That's why we go to food. That's why we go to binging YouTube Nummy. because, because we're, our body is like, what the hell? Like I'm not getting, I'm not getting the stimulus that I want and physical activity, you know, but when you, when, when you go to pour the glass of wine at three o'clock in the afternoon, go, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go for a walk for an hour. And, and the, your body will give you so much of what you were looking for in that glass of wine. I'm not saying glass of wine is bad. You're like everyone, one glass of wine, like we did, we did the blue zones. One glass of wine a night is fine. According to blue zones, um, <laughs> assuming you're not an addict and all that, but, uh, but still there's, there's this, there's this, this need that our body, it's and they're real needs. We're not making it up. Yeah. Right. We don't overeat because we're just idiots. You know, we don't, we don't binge on potato chips because we're idiots. We do because your body's going, I want something. Yeah. And so let's figure out something, something life-giving to give to our body, something whole that, that helps us feel more whole. And during the month of May, Car, you and I, we're going to be, we're going to be focusing on trying to do something physical every day, like trying to be in motion. We're not talking about lifting weights. We're not talking about some craziness. We're talking about walking around the neighborhood. We're talking about going for a bike ride. We're talking about throwing the frisbee with your kid. We're talking about, you know, just motion, a or focus on life-giving motion. Turning up that, that station on your, on your Spotify and dancing around your living room. Um, so last night I did, I learned a TikTok dance, Tony. Wow. Good for you. Uh, yes. Yeah, Scott's daughter, Lauren is a TikTok aficionado and we did a TikTok dance and I was the worst, but I had a lot of fun. <laughs> I've, I've been learning to river dance during COVID. That's been my big thing. I've been, been river dancing. It's been, it's been great. I've been turning on whatever and learning to river. <laughs> You're such a liar. <laughs> Can you imagine me, my arms down to my side, like bouncing up and down? Uh, that, I'm, that, I'm, would, that would drive a person to drink. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, so our theme is motion. On our next podcast, uh, Nate Moreland is going to be our guest. Nate is a uh, he's a Portland legend, uh, a competitive long distance runner. Uh, unbelievable human being. Now he does training for people and he's actually been putting together movement programs that people can do in their homes during quarantine. Oh, that's so gonna, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So he's going to be talking to us about that and what he's doing and he's doing like zoom meetings. He's doing like uh, you can, you know, exercise, you'll just like text, like exercise lists you can do during the day that are super, you can do it in your living room or whatever, just trying to help people. And believe it and? or not, Nate has also trained people to go on the Camino. So he's, <gasps> he's like, he's totally into that thing too. So we're going to have a lot to talk about next time. I love it. I'm super looking forward to talking with him. I am too. He's such a good dude. You're going to like him so much. I've known him for 15 years. Ah, oh, very cool. All right. I think we're about done. Yeah. Well, you, you guys, thanks. Thanks for listening. And um, we we're so, um, we're excited to continue to get your messages 
and your notes. And we do try to respond to every single one of those. So thank you so much for, for sharing with us how you're doing, who you are, how you're engaging in 100 projects, or, or maybe even this month, share with us what kind of things you're doing to move to, to kind of engage in that practice. And if you haven't had a chance to follow Kari or me, for that matter, on Instagram, please do and look at our 100-day projects. We're posting something every day. And please give us feedback. Tell us what you think, if anything is thought-provoking, how you would add to the conversations. Because we really, it's, it's a big creative project for us, but, but ultimately our desire is to, is to stimulate community with, with all of you. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for getting lost with us, you guys. Thanks for getting lost with us. Take care. Thank you for walking with us. To stay connected, visit us at pilgrimlost.com. Please comment, share, and respond.